Hi, my name is Ritena Nyamuda, and welcome back to an extraordinary episode of In My Twenties. In my twenties. While you're here, please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Now, I am so excited to have my next guest on the show. He is a pioneer and inspiration. So, welcoming himself onto the In My Twenties podcast and into the In My Twenties family, here he is. Hi, my name is Tijen Goma. I am a South African actor. I was born and bred in the Eastern Cape with my two amazing parents who raised me beautifully. I am part of the LGBTI community. Um, I identify as a gay man. So yeah, that is pretty much who I am. That's my journey. I love art. I'm passionate about body positivity. I'm passionate about LGBTI issues and I'm passionate about love. Now on every episode of the In My Twenties podcast, my guests always come through with these incredible mind moments or gem moments. And this is just one of them. Being bullied in high school to feeling abandoned by my father to feeling judged and hurt by my mom through my sexuality and dealing with all that to feeling rejected by the church to my culture and being circumcised and the trauma that came with that and to hooking up with married men and feeling cheap to oh, losing that job that I wanted so badly to not feeling worthy to doubting my career. I had to heal all of that, all of it. The In My Twenties podcast is split up into three sections. In the first section, we get to hear a little bit more about TJ's career history. In the second section, we dive into today's topic, which is all about living your truth and what that means to you. And finally, rounding up all three sections is a conversation on the all-consuming Twenties journey. Let's get straight into it. I was obviously raised in the Eastern Cape and then mm-hmm. I moved to Cape Town mm-hmm. for the first time mm-hmm. when I was 19 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, after my matric year and then oh, it was literally, oh, it was such a weird time. It was in 2007. Mm-hmm. Oh, 2008. Yeah. And it was straight after I went to the bush. Okay. Straight after I got circumcised. And then I was just like fresh off of East London. Mm. And um, yeah, I moved to Cape Town mm-hmm. um, to study theatre and performance at UCT. Yeah. Which was just like a wild ride. I think performing in general is one of the most beautiful things that one can do as a human being. Mm. Because you're leaving yourself on the stage. You're putting yeah. yourself out there you're saying this is who i am mm. accept it appreciate it mm. love it mm. take something from it be changed yeah and so for you why acting why the theater um so cut back to grade 11 i had no idea what i wanted to do with my life i had no idea where i was going mm. um yeah i just had no vision of where what i wanted after matric yeah and um luckily um, my school, which didn't have drama, we didn't teach, it was an all-boys school, so mm. we were very sports-heavy, and obviously I sucked at sport. <laughs> <laughs> they decided, after a long time, to do a stage production, mm. um, which was an original that was written by the Afrikaans teacher called Pumpkins on My Roof. Okay. Um, I played a French chef. Hey, hey, we, we, mon ami. I never took it seriously. Yeah. Like, for me, it was just an opportunity to hang out with my friends for longer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because we were rehearsing after school. We were rehearsing on weekends. I'm like, yeah. <gasps> get to see my friends. No. So yeah. I never took it seriously yeah. until the first performance. Mm. And 
I went on that stage. I did my thing. And when I went out for the curtain call mm. and I felt and heard that applause, I remember you're supposed to walk out, bow and stand and then walk back. Okay. It was supposed to be a quick thing. Yeah. I walked out. I bowed. I looked up and the roar and the applause. Wow. And I just was just like, Oh my gosh. I literally stood there like frozen and just like taking it in wow. and like, and feeling the energy vibrating wow. off of the audience. And then someone, I, the only, I, <laughs> I only stepped back when I saw the next person next to me. Yeah. I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm not supposed I, to be here. I'm going. sorry. I'm taking your time. This is not my thing. So oh. I moved back. And I just remember standing with in, in a row with all the other yeah. actors and being like, wow. Yeah. And I think in, in that moment, I was like, this is what I should do. This is it. Sure. This is definitely what I should be doing. Yeah. So after that, I pursued it. That's wow. what I did. I, I um, found a UCT prospectus. I saw they had theatre and performance there. And I was like, okay, great. I was born for the stage. I thought this is what I'm going to do. So TJ, you are... Officially the first plus size male model yes. to be signed in South Africa. Like <laughs> hey! Hey! Isn't that crazy? In 2020, I'm that's the first. Exciting. Like that's really exciting. It's Blows like my mind. how Blows my mind. to whom it may concern. Yeah. How do you feel about it? Or how did you feel when you found out that you were the first plus size male model to be signed? I was in disbelief. Hmm. Cause I mean I was just like, how am I the first? I've seen plus size models on campaigns like at Edgar's and places like that. And it was like, no, it was always international models. Mm. It was never homegrown South African yeah. man. What does that mean for you? It means that there is a lot on my shoulders. <laughs> it's, it's, it's scary to me. Yeah. It's scary to be the first because as the first, you are going to be the blueprint. Mm. You are going to take the fall. You are going to make a lot of mistakes. You are going to be the pioneer of this thing. Mm. And I didn't see that coming for me. So it's, it's a scary role to take on. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, you've been preparing this for this all your life. Sure. You've been preparing for this all your life. Mm. And even within it now, doing press and like speaking to people about this experience and how this process is, is going to change fashion and it's going to change people's lives and it's going to change South Africa. I sometimes don't feel worthy to speak about it. Why me? Mm. And in those moments where I'm just like lost and I have nothing to say, I think God kind of speaks through me. And I think that's why I'm so now comfortable in it because I'm just like, this is bigger than me. I'm not, this is not me doing this for me. This is me doing this for other people out there who mm -hmm. need it, who need to see a plus size male mm -hmm. being a model and being represented um, and being a representative and being celebrated. Do you think your approach to life or how you saw yourself would have changed had you had a TJ that you could mm, look up to yeah. when you were younger. Yes, absolutely. As a kid being told, you're so cute, you're so beautiful, what a handsome boy you are. And I never believed it. Mm. Because in my head, I was like, yeah, but I'm fat. It, it kind of recently dawned on me that 
just being fat doesn't mean you're ugly. Mm. And I think that's something that I can't, it's it, the way big guys that look like me were represented in TV of being the butt of the joke or being mm. the guy that's eating at the buffet. It's never celebrated for being handsome. Mm. That kind of informed the way that I felt about myself. And I felt that <clears throat> when you're fat, you're ugly. Mm. Or when you're fat, you're the joke. Mm. So I think if I grew up seeing a big guy handsome, sexy, being celebrated hey, hey. and just being like being the 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 the, the guy man, mm. being the dude. Being the guy. I would have looked at that and be like, so I can do it too. Yeah. I can be beautiful. I can be handsome and still have this body and still be a big guy. Mm. I would have been way more secure way sooner had that yeah. representation yeah. Uh, been out there. first on touch on pride mm. with pride coming up this saturday mm-hmm. in cape town mm. there is a lot there's festivities mm. there is this beautiful nature mm. cape town is probably like the best place to actually yeah. experience pride yeah what does it mean for you to be a black gay man living in south africa today i grew up not seeing black gay men mm. i was an alien i was the only black gay yeah. boy i knew and I didn't, I didn't know what being a black gay man looked like. Mm. So now being that, mm. I think for a lot of us young black gay men, it's about having a positive image for the younger black gay boys to look at. Mm. So just living an honest, truthful, full life. Mm is what's important so that we can so they can look at us and see that it's possible to just be loved to have a good career to be confident to be happy and to live a great life Mm. so for me that's what it means is to live honestly to live beautifully Mm. to live truthfully that essence of living truthfully i think is just one of those universal truths and concepts that Mm. transcends past your sexual orientation or how you classify or how you identify Mm. because everyone needs to live their truth and struggles because it's like what is the world going to say what are Mm. my parents going to say what are my family or my friends going to say what is social media going to say am Mm. I good enough and even when you have started living your truth it's like the levels and stuff do you think it's more more easier now for gay men to come out than it was maybe around the time that you came out Mm. or do you think it is still quite a challenge. I think all the, I think stories are different. Mm. I mean, yes, we live in a more liberal times where gay people are more accepted mm. than 10 years ago. Um, so we've definitely made some great strides, but I think some people obviously still struggle. It depends on the family you were raised in. Yeah. You know, some families are super religious. So mm. obviously people in that space will find it extremely difficult to mm. come out. Um, mm. I know very many young black gay boys who, in the city um, will be free and happy and will go to Pride and live this amazing full life and then when they have to go home will have to go back into the closet Mm. because they can't they're not brave enough and they're not strong enough to and they feel and they feel like they won't be accepted when they do come out so it's a struggle it's hard Um, Mm. it's different for each person I, I don't think coming out is easy Mm. it's never easy Mm. 
because it, it takes a lot of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. You are essentially saying, so this is who I am. And it could go either way. It could go 50-50. Yeah. And it's scary because you're just, obviously, you're going to focus on the rejection of it. You're going to be like, they're going to reject me. They're going to reject me. And that's that's the part that holds you back is mm. the fear, that hectic fear of rejection. Yeah. Even now in a world where so many people are out and openly gay and adopting kids and getting married mm. and mm. are celebrated, yeah. do you still feel that fear still holds? Yeah, it does. It does. I think our society still has a long way to go when it comes mm. to to gay LGBTI issues. Mm. Um, yeah, it's 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 still a problem. I mean, yeah. especially in in our townships, I think people still are a little bit backwards mm. and behind on their beliefs and their thoughts about what it means to be gay. You've mentioned the LGBTIQ community. Mm-hmm. And your support for them and how you're an activist mm, yeah. in the space. Mm. For the I think it's hard to not be an activist when you're part of the community. Mm. Just you living is you being an activist. You know what that's, I mean? That's... So, because when you said activist, I'm like, I don't really... You're like, but I am. But I really so, am, honestly. Oh, yeah. So, yes, what I you agree. <laughs> your statement is right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I... It's interesting, and and this might be a naive question, no, but please. it's just I want to understand. Just When it comes to the LGBTIQ community, mm. it's very easy to either say something or do something if mm. you're not in the community that is deemed offensive, mm. and one doesn't want to be offensive. No. And yes, we are on one hand in a very sensitive time Mm. in the country, in South Africa, on the continent, in the world. Mm. Um, But I would say like what, how does one approach not knowing enough about the community Mm. in a non-offensive way? Mm. Okay, so I, I can honestly say that for a very long time, I didn't know about any other issues that affected um, the other members of my community outside of gay men. Mm. I was very ignorant, ignorant to trans issues. I was very ignorant to lesbians' issues. I was very ignorant to transgender people's issues. So I think when you come into that space, or any space actually, where you don't know or you're trying to find out or you're trying to understand that person's experience, you have to come from a place of ignorance. You don't know anything. Mm. So you have to come from a humble, Mm. ignorant place. And Mm. you have to be honest and upfront about that and Mm. be like, I don't know anything about trans issues. But I humbly am here to understand and to ask Mm. about what the issues and the kind of things that you have to deal with on a daily basis. So to take things back a little bit, you spoke about the period between high school and varsity Mm. where you went to the bush. Yes. And in society, there are certain things that we don't speak about. Yes. And going to the Mm. bush is one of those things that we don't talk about in most comments, especially in the Kosa community, the black community. There are certain cultural 
things that we don't reveal out of mm. culture. Mm. Um, but in the last couple of years, there's been a lot of talk or revealing of mm. what happens in the bush. So yes. through movies or TV series or articles. Yes. And then in the news, the increase of deaths yeah. of young men who have gone to the bush. Mm. So my first question is around culture in this decade. Mm. Do you still feel that the bush is I think I personally think that there are some practices so understanding the the mindset of what it means to be a man and I think yeah. there are beautiful things in yes. culture right yeah. but the actual circumcision and the processes around that do mm. you still feel like that is something that should be done in this decade or what are what are your opinions mm. on the way or the processes and procedures around going to the bush yeah. in this decade okay Okay, I, well, I can only speak from my experience. And my experience is very, it's very 50 50. Because mm-hmm. there's a side of me that really, really appreciates that process and that initiation and that experience. Mm-hmm. Because what it did for me was it honestly gave me time to. To connect with myself and to, to be within my, within myself. Um, because you're literally in the bush mm-hmm. for four weeks. Sure. Without any TV, without any friends. It's just you by yourself. And it was the first time that I got to be alone with and just like in, in me and deal with me and deal with my own thoughts and what I wanted from life. And, um, I also got to spend a lot of time with my dad and usually my mom is the one who obviously take care and she'd be the tender one and you know she'd take her role as the, the the nurturing woman in my family but I really got to spend time with my dad and he was taking care of me because you're not supposed to see your mom throughout that whole process mm-hmm. so I got to spend a lot of time with my dad and he took such good care of me um, and I grew up a lot in those four weeks. I really, I, I, I learned what it is to take care of yourself physically, to take care of yourself mentally, mm-hmm. and to take care of yourself emotionally. Um, I think people forget that it's, 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 it's surgery because you have to go through that operation and you have to heal. And there's no, there's no medication. There's no, they they use leaves to help you to heal. So that takes its toll on you mentally and physically and emotionally. And it, and you'd have to be, you have to be strong to like, you know, deal with that on a daily basis and kind of like to make it through. Um, so I appreciate aspects of it. And then there's this other side of it that is just like completely for me, just like, has no place in our world today. It really doesn't. Mm. There's a certain perpetuation of patriarchy that happens in in, in the initiation school. There's a lot of... Because what it is is that when you become a man in, in, in the hierarchy of now Kosa culture... Your, the, 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 the father, who's your father, is the head of the household. And then you are now underneath him. You are 
next in line. Mm-hmm. Your your power comes next, and then your mother is supposed to submit, be submissive now to you. And for me, obviously, being the woke child that I am, I was like, that's not how it works. <laughs> my mom is my mom. My mom. She's <laughs> yeah. my mother. I yeah. respect She's my her. queen. I love her. She's yeah. My queen. yeah. And um, and I think that a lot of the 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 patriarchal things that we struggle with in my culture come from that. It's 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 teachings that are just being handed down to the next generation every year, mm. and it's toxic masculinity just being handed to the next generation over and over and over and over. They were saying things to me that I was just like, no, mm. that's not how it works. Mm. That's not how the world works. So yeah, I think. I, in my personal opinion, I think there's no place for that, mm. that initiation school in 2020. Mm. I think after last year and femicide and, you know, hashtags like men is trash and toxic masculinity and, um, patriarchy and just like all this toxic energy around, um, men and culture and beliefs, it's, it's, yeah, there's no place for mm. there's no place for it in 2020. Mm. And I think what that process of initiation does is that it perpetuates it. And yeah, yeah, we're just yeah, we just need to be better. We need to just realize that there's no point in continuing continuing that practice. Yeah, yeah. So when it comes to culture, then the question is, what stays and what goes. Mm. And who decides mm, that? Exactly. Um, I don't have the answers. I'm just, I'm just asking. Because yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> even, even for myself, uh, Zimbabwean born, South African raised, mm. when it comes for me, the time for me to get married, mm. um, what traditions and customs and cultures Are you gonna take am I going to take with me mm. if I don't marry a Zimbabwean guy? Mm. Which I might not. <laughs> 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 I'm still single, so I mean, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you're open. Um, you're I'm, open. I'm very open. Whatever happens, happens. Um, but also, depending on what culture you marry into, mm. what cultures and customs are important yeah. for your partner to bring into this relationship and for you to bring in the relationship, and how does that carry out and affect your kids? Exactly. And those are such important questions to have. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then even with even with that, even with having kids, whether you have a partner or not, or you have kids by yourself. Yeah. Um, again, what is important for you that you've learned that you're going to pass on? Exactly. And yeah. I mean, I know personally for me, my kids will not go through that process. Mm. If I have a son, he's not going to the bush. Mm. He's not going to go to the bush. But don't they say amongst his? Okay, it might be different when you have a son and he's old enough to go to the bush. Yeah. But right now, I've heard that if your son doesn't go to the bush, he's looked down upon by everybody else in the community that he didn't go. And you're privileged in the sense that you live in a very liberal exactly. inner city. Yeah, 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 yeah. But think about if you didn't live in the city, yeah. if you live in the rural areas, if mm. you live in a place where culture is so entrenched and so deep and mm. you're just like, I'm not going to go. Mm. What does that do for you? Now you're an outcast. Mm. Mm. So that's true. Hmm. Okay. Now I've rethought it. <laughs> I think if there wasn't all the secrecy around it, if we were honest mm. about what happens there 
And we give our young boys the decision. Mm. Like you decide whether that's something you want to go through or not. Because the reason why I said no is that was, I mean, I think I basically touched on it is because of the teachings and everything like that is, and I didn't know about them. I, mm. I went in blind. Mm. And now that I know, and now that I, I mean, obviously I'm a more liberal person. I wouldn't want my child to go through that. Mm. But if they did, then I'd tell them everything mm. that they would have to go through and that they would have to deal with mm. and then let them make that decision. So it's not about eradicating the whole practice. It's about being more transparent about the practice so that we can... Our young boys can be more informed and can make a more conscious decision about whether or not that is something that they would be willing to do. Mm -hmm. So that if you do decide not to, you you can be confident in whatever adversity you will have to deal with when you are shunned from the community, mm -hmm. let's say. The first step would be by the secrecy. Mm -hmm. What are we hiding? If it's such a beautiful process and it's, it's, it's something that men should take pride in going through and being in, then why the secrecy? Why, what are we, what are you hiding? And they know what they're hiding. They're hiding the toxicity and the patriarchy that they've been trying to protect for years and years and years with them. TJ, coming to the third section of the podcast, and yes. one of my personal favorite sections of the podcast okay. is all about the 20s journey. Yes. So I want to find out how would you summarize your 20s? Disaster. Set. <laughs> I'm done. It's done. Setting. Disaster. We're done here. Actually, tell me about your quarter life crisis. Did you go through a quarter life crisis? Of course. I went to like six. Oh. <laughs> tell me about your most intensive quarter life crisis. What was it and how did you come out of it? My 20s were mm. a whirlwind. Um, when I think back to my quarter life crisis, yeah. the first thing that pops in my head is doubt. Yeah. There's a lot of doubt. Yeah. I doubted everything I did. I didn't know who I was. Yeah. You know? Um, my life hadn't gone the way that I'd planned. Mm. Um, I questioned my career. I questioned my friends. I questioned the things that I liked. I questioned my upbringing. I questioned my family. I mm. was just lost. Mm. There's nothing I could hold on to. Mm. And I was deeply depressed. Deeply depressed. Mm. And I felt very much alone. It was excruciating excruciating and now looking back at it it was the greatest thing that I ever went through sure. as painful and as horrible and as much as you know I wanted it to end I'm so grateful I went through that there's a lot of pressure that comes with being in your 20s there's a lot of there's a big misconception that you have to have 
everything together in your 20s. Mm. You have to know where you're going career-wise. You have to ha- be in a stable relationship. You have to have your kids ali- lining up. Your job has to be bomb. You have to have a great social life. You have to have your car. You have to have your house. There's all these weird misconceptions that your 20s is where everything is going to come together. Mm. But I solely in my spirit believe your 20s are supposed to be havoc. Mm. They're supposed to be the years where you're messing up left, right and center. Yeah. You know, you're supposed to be lost. You're supposed to be scared. You're supposed to doubt everything. Um, and I definitely feel like that's what my 20s were. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I, 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 there was a lot of, there was a lot of struggling with mm. self. Mm. And that was tough to get through. Yeah. It was very tough to get through. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of comfort, I think, in hearing someone say, especially when you're going through it, mm. that it's supposed to be like this. Mm. Because I think our generation, and this is something that keeps coming up, it's like yeah. we are that social media generation. Mm. Not as intense as Gen Z. No. But we are that. Y'all will be in my 20s soon. Yes. If you're not already in my 20s, y'all, this will be a different conversation. It'll be like, was that the same decade? Yes. It's just like when you're going through it and you're crying through it and you're painting through it Mm. and you're ticking off everything you've just said Mm. on the box. Mm. There is some comfort in knowing that you're not alone Mm. in the struggle, that Mm. you're not the only one in the world feeling what you're feeling. You're not the only one questioning. You're not the only one in the world feeling like you're an imposter. You don't actually know what you're doing. Like, you're just like, hi, I wake up in the morning. I don't know what I'm doing. And it's just like, no one, no one tells you while you're going through it, that it's okay to go through it. And you feel like you're going through it by yourself because obviously your experience is unique to you. Yes, of course. But a lot of people are having a unique quarter life crisis at Mm. the same time as you. Mm. For me, the the scariest part of my quarter life crisis was waking up and feeling nothing. Like you, I, I would wake up and open my eyes and I'd feel nothing. What do you mean? Nothing. No passion, no excitement. I would even have settled for sorrow. You know, I would have settled for anxiety. I would have settled for anger. I felt nothing. I would wake up and feel nothing about the day. Nothing about it. Mm. And I went through life like that for so long and actually now looking back I'm actually surprised I don't think anyone noticed no one noticed because I could masquerade and I could still smile and I could perform myself and they're like oh TJ's being himself he's fine but you could perform, I could perform myself because I knew what TJ looked like when he was okay. So I could perform yeah. that. And do you know why that is so intense? Yeah. It's because you're an actor. Right. And now you're playing. Right. I'm playing myself part. in my real life. Hey! Isn't that wild? That's wild. That's wild. 
Mind warped. That's a mind moment. That is a mind moment. It's insane. But I mean, now I know that it was because I didn't, I couldn't, I didn't trust anyone with how I really felt and what I really was going through. I couldn't be, I didn't want to be vulnerable mm. because I was in my 20s now. I was in my mid 20s. Yeah. I was supposed to be together. I was supposed to have it all. So I couldn't be vulnerable and sad and say, I have no idea where I'm going and I don't know what I'm doing and I don't feel a single thing about life. Mm. There's no excitement. There's no passion. There's no optimism. There's no love. Mm. I just felt empty. And that was so hard. That was so difficult to go through. But I had to. I had to go through that so that I could come out of it so much clearer mm. and so much more honest and so much more grateful mm. for feeling, for living, for experiencing, for connection. I think a lot of the time we're not present. Things are happening and we don't deal with it. Mm. We kind of like... Just power through. Yeah. And then through powering through, yes, you can power through, but that stuff is on you. Mm. It just piles up on you. And then, and then 10 years later, you've got all the stuff on you. You don't know what to do with because you haven't dealt with it. I needed to go back so that I could heal all of my wounds through being bullied in high school mm. to feeling abandoned by my father to feeling judged and heard by my mom through my sexuality and dealing with all that, through feeling rejected by the church, to my culture and being circumcised and the trauma that came with that, and to getting my heart broken, to feeling rejected, to hooking up with married men and feeling cheap, to oh, losing that job that I wanted so badly, to not feeling worthy, to doubting my career, I had to heal all of that. All of it. And to heal it, I had to go through it and go back and feel those feelings and allow them to sit in my body and strengthen me so that I could be strong enough to go forward. And so that when now moving forward in my life, I could, I was stronger, I could take whatever life would throw at me because now I was secure and strong in my, in myself, in my identity and who I was and what I wanted. And so TJ, I want to ask in all of the advice that you've shared and sharing your story, um, what one piece of advice would you want to offer people in their twenties right now? Be present. Mm. Be Present in your life. Don't go through the motions. Don't power through. Power through. Don't fake it till you make it. That is the worst advice anyone's ever given. Fake it till you make it. You're faking confidence. That will catch up to you. You'll realize in a later day that you're actually not confident. 
And that will set you back in your life because you, you didn't take the time to build your confidence. You faked it. So you have to be present and you have to deal with your life with every moment that comes. Mm. Always be present every day and every moment. Mm. Be in your losses and go through them and deal with them and talk about them and express them with other people because in that you'll find a community and you'll find who the real people that are going to hold you up and help you get through this life. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's the best thing I could say is be present. Mm. Be present in your life. Mm. Thank you so much, TJ, for coming on to today's episode of the In My Twenties podcast, for sharing your journey and being so open and honest with us on the things that you have learned. You are a true, true inspiration. To everybody else listening, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please don't forget to follow us on all our social media platforms and subscribe so you never miss a podcast episode. Otherwise, we will catch you same time, same place, right here on In My Twenties.